Hey, here we are for episode 34, I believe, of the Caged In podcast, or Caged In podcast, or Caged In, whatever you want to call it. Um, I like to keep it nice and fun and jovial here at uh, Caged In, but I feel like there's um, a couple of things I just need to uh, air off, like get off my chest and kind of put my two pence in, considering last week's film was uh, The Family Man and was directed by Brett Ratner. Um, who has turned out to be in the recent, like, Hollywood kind of sex assault scandal, which I believe is a fucking fantastic thing that all these people have been brought to light for the scumbag pieces of shit that they are. Um, and Brett Ratner is one of them with recent allegations from uh, multiple people, including uh, Ellen Page, during her time working with him on X-Men Last Stand. And, to be honest, like... I can't help but let news like this really like affect the way I view like his work and it's such it's such a shame that it like stuff like that can happen because all the other people involved all the actors the crew stuff like that like I just saw a post on Twitter from um Edgar Wright like because Baby Driver comes out on uh, DVD and like digital download this week and it's such a shame for all those other people involved that obviously his film will be tarnished because of a piece of shit like kevin spacey another person like again yeah i feel with brett ratner that the reason he probably did family man was he sympathized with the character um in his previous life when he's a fucking asshole piece of shit womanizing dickhead and, um, yeah, just, like, this is all I'm going to say about it. Like, I just wanted to, like, get it off my chest and say, like, if I don't talk about, like, cu- these current issues in the podcast, this is me kind of doing it here now. Because I want to, like, keep the podcast. I've, I've always said to myself, I want to keep this as an escape from the fucking bullshit <laughs> that is reality. There's so much darkness and horrible shit in the world. I kind of wanted this to be a nice space for people to just kind of forget about all that. But obviously, there's certain things I can't just ignore and roll over and just not have my opinion. Because I gave such a glowing review and had such high like, opinion. Obviously, Nick Cage, like, act, like the actors in that film, had nothing to do with this piece of shit. And yeah, this is just me saying, like, fuck Brett Ratner. Fuck Kevin Spacey, uh, Louis C.K., just all of those fucking pieces of shit. Like, man, yeah. Well, I'm gonna get, I'm gonna get to it. I just wanted to, yeah. I just wanted to say that up front at the beginning. Yeah, let's just, let's just be nice to each other, guys. Like, human common decency costs nothing, and to look after each other because it's, as I said, it's a, it's a scary, dark place out there. So let's just have a good time, watch Nicolas Cage and fucking call out any scumbag dickheads there are. Hey, whether it's the 14th of November 2017 or whenever the fuck you are listening, I am Petros Patsivis and I'm here today to talk to you about Captain Corelli's Mandolin, released in 2001. It stars Nicolas Cage and um, some other people who I don't know because I've never seen this film 
and I know nothing about it. I've got the DVD lined up, ready, in the DVD player, ready for me to press play. I will do that as soon as I've finished recording this little intro for you guys. As I said in that little pre-intro, last week's was The Family Man, uh, directed by a fucking piece of shit, which really, really deters me from liking it, but I fucking did. Okay, uh, Nicolas Cage was great in it, and it was a Nicolas Cage that I really like and enjoy. Um, but this week, yeah, I'm glad, like, all, all I know about this is uh, someone told me that Nicolas Cage actually played the mandolin. So fucking hats off to the guy for learning those little finger techniques, little... I don't know if that's what a mandolin sounds like, that is just a... An interpretation. Uh, maybe it sounds a bit like um, a ukulele, or with a bit more, a bit more delicate and a bit more sweet. Uh, I'm sure I'll get to hear plenty of it throughout the film. Um, yeah, you can watch along with this. You can pick it up for like 50p in a CX if you listen in the UK, or you could probably pick it up in any bargain bin, wherever. Or I don't know. I don't know. It's probably well cheap to rent or. Your mum's probably got a copy. I know this is a um, a mum's favourite. A lot of uh, a lot of people I spoke to, oh, my mum really likes that one. Or my mum enjoyed the book, wasn't so sure about the the casting of Nicolas Cage. Didn't, didn't, didn't really like the film, though. Um, so let's go over to my good friend, the Anagram Hunter. Follow him on Twitter. It's at Thomas underscore W underscore Hunter. He has provided me... Not only with an anagram, but a nice, a nice, a nice contextualization of that anagram, and it goes as followed: um, due to popular demand and critical acclaim, plans were drawn up for a trio of movie about Italian soldiers with quirky musical instruments. Cage was set to return, teaming up with Roberto Benigni and Pepe from EastEnders. Pepe. What a, what a goatee, what a handsome man. Oh, Pepe, it's me, Pepe. In a mind-blowing twist, all three titles were an anagram of each other. Unfortunately, the popular demand, critical acclaim and franchise plans only actually existed in the mind of Nicolas Cage. Oh, and what an awesome place to exist. Uh, that is what he said in brackets, but I agree with you. It seems like it's a... It's a fantastic land. It is the inside of Willy Wonka's chocolate factory. But there's kind of... It's kind of decaying and it's dark. And there's some fucked up shit thrown in there. It's... Yeah. I imagine the inside of his brain to be bloody fantastic. Therefore, there were... There will never be... The the world will never experience the drama of Admiral... Lenteni's Piccolo, or the power of Colonel Caldry... I'm going to take another punt at that one. Colonel Caldry's Timpani. So, these probably tell me nothing about the film I'm about to watch, and that's good. I like to not have any expectations. I like to have no knowledge. So there's only one thing for me left to do. And you know what that is? That's to get raging with Cage. Feels like I've been awake for days. Watching films starring Nicolas Cage. Could be shit or it could be fun. Valley girl face off an army of one. 
Deadpool Corner, Lord of War, The Wicker Man, Trespass, and so many more. Know how it starts, I don't know how it ends. The first ten are solo, then it's me and some friends. No distractions, no expectations. Over the weeks, hear my frustrations. I guess the podcast is about to begin. I'm your host, Petra Pasilavis, and I'm caged in. Right, well, I really hoped I'd enjoy this one because I saw the saw it open up and I saw the title card. It said, um, well, Kefalonia, Greece, 1940. And as someone uh, with uh, Greek heritage, obviously, Petros Patsilovas, if any of you were wondering where that is from, that is actually Greek. So I was like, oh, I'm... I'm in. I'm in for a treat here. It's gonna be a lovely, lovely tale on a on a gorgeous Greek island. Um, I'm not sure if it was the uh, innate Greek part of me that was just ultimately offended by the hammy Greek accents laid on thick by the um, very, very Spanish Penelope Cruz, um, the very English late great John Hurt. Or the um, kind of weird transatlantic, doesn't know where he's from himself, Christian Bale, as the character Mandras, with this very thick, odd Greek accent. Or whether it was the fact that this film just never seems to really get into it and the relationships are just not really fought out and you don't really go into it deep enough and don't really, I didn't really care about any of the characters. So yeah, I didn't enjoy this one. But still, I have to go through and tell you what the fuck happened. And that goes a little like this. The film opens up, as I said, is Cephalonia, uh, 1940. And we get a scene of the late, great John Hurt. I'm going to call him the late, great John Hurt because he is a fantastic actor. You may remember him from Alien. He's the uh, unfortunate gentleman who encounters the chestburster, a cinematic glory of a scene. And he is the island doctor and he pulls a pee from a silly old greek man's ear kind of and then his wife's giving him some jip like now now you're not deaf you can help me out you can do all those things i wanted you to do you've got no excuses anymore and then we kind of get a little bit of voiceover kind of john hurt explaining like how he's told his daughter all this stuff about the island and there's this weird ceremony um obviously yeah being half greek i've never i've never seen this ceremony or um i've never heard of it but it looks particularly odd um they kind of carry this um box like effigy and loads of sick people just lay on the floor and believe that when the effigy goes over them, that they will miraculously be well. I'm not sure if it's a kind of Jesus effigy or something like that, but it's all a bit, it's all a bit archaic and a bit strange. And um, I'll be getting onto my Greek relatives to say, "What the fuck's going on with that?" Then do you guys still uh, knock about with that tradition? And um, there's this kind of Sinbad-looking guy, kind of 
corralling the kids, going, hey, you want to see a neat little trick? And he's got a little cannon and uh, manages to fire something out of it. I think it's just a bit of fun, like it's not a cannonball, because that would be very dangerous. Uh, I don't know, I know these Greeks' health and safety is not something they pay much attention to, um, but still, I don't think he's firing cannons into the village, but manages to fire whatever he's firing into what I deem to be the village idiot, and he is rushed to the local doctor. The village idiot turns out to be Mandras, as I said, played by Christian Bale, and... um, you kind of see early on that the doctor is training his daughter uh, Panaea to uh, to be a doctor herself, and he's like, "Tell me about the gluteus maximus," and she's going very scientific and doctor type terms about it and stuff like that. And uh, Mandrash is like, "Have a look, have a look at my, have a look at my sexy bum," and uh, and uh, the, invite the whole village to look at my my sexy bum because I'm Greek and this is my Greek accent and I'm I'm a Mandras, okay, and um. And then, and then, like his mum comes along. She's like, "Oh, you fucking silly shit! What you been up to? You've always been the village idiot, bloody hell! What you, what, what have you done to your ass, you fucking moron?" And then um, we get the next scene where it's uh, Panayas running down to the docks, and she meets Mandras, and they kind of have a loving embrace. And you see that they, that I, that I didn't get those all. One of the first weird things that I did not get that impression from the scene just moments before of her kind of checking out his bum. I'm not sure if the checking out of the bum was what her going, you know what, I'm going to give Mandras a bit of a go because he's got a sweet ass and um, yeah, I want, I, want to, I want to squeeze those glutes and uh, maybe, or maybe it's his... Sexy Greek accent. I'm a Mandras, and I'm I'm a Christian Bale, and I'm not a Welsh at all. I'm a I'm a Greek man, and uh, they they they're just having a bloody lovely time. Uh, looks like the whole village are just having a right hoot of a time. But then we hear over the radio that the war is raging on around Europe, and a Greek boat has been hit by an Italian missile from one of their submarines. But Greece is not at war. Not to fear. Things are okay for now. And then um, Panaia has a chat with her dad and says, I think I want to uh, marry Mandras. Like, what would you say if he... If he asked for my hand in marriage, would you be okay with that? Would you be into that? If he came to you and said, uh, Mr. Doctor, uh, I want to marry your daughter. Is that okay? Uh, I'm a mandress. I'm sexy. I'm Greek. You've seen my bum. Your daughter seen my bum. Uh, yes, I marry her now. Um, and he's like, I don't really think, don't really think that's a good idea. I, um, he weirdly says, I always saw you with a foreign man. Um, Maybe that's a bit of foreshadowing for the for the for the audience. Um, sorry to I'm, I was going to say spoiler alert, but that's what this whole fucking podcast is about. The whole thing is a massive spoiler. I'm kind of watching this film and telling you what happens, hopefully in a humorous and light-hearted way. Um, so yeah, you 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 don't have to go through the 
turmoil and horror of watching every single Nicolas Cage film, especially uh, Captain Corelli's Mandolin. Um, I haven't read the book, but I'd, I'd recommend doing that because it's a it's a favourite amongst mums, apparently. So get yourself a copy of Captain Corelli's Mandolin. Um, and um, yeah, so he's not enamoured with the idea at all of Mandras having his daughter's hand in marriage. And I totally see where the doctor is coming from. Um, he's like, he says to her, you're, you you want to pursue like doctor and he like to be you want to pursue to be a doctor sorry I'm just dropping words and all of a sudden speaking like a a Greek man not barely knowing any English but um I do know the English language very well um and he's like yeah you want to be a doctor and um he won't stand for that he's 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 a stereotypical man and will want to be better than you and just uh he he won't have it he's a he's a big old goat um he doesn't say that i don't know i don't know why all of a sudden i've I've since i a bit greek and i'm talking about goats um and then we see that greek troops are getting ready to fight and then we see that uh one of them is Mandras and uh, Panay and him have a kind of weird kind of promise engagement ceremony with a priest. Almost looks like they're getting married. They're not. Um, it's kind of, yes, yeah, this is an, another odd, another odd tradition. I'm not sure if that is again another traditional Greek thing. Um, I'm not sure if you've realised by now in this podcast. I don't know that much about Greek traditions. Um, I literally have the name and maybe have. Um, an innate ear for terrible Greek accents. Um, but yeah, they have this kind of weird, weird, weird very weird ceremony. Uh, and I, yeah, I, I, I thought this moment, that's it. He's going off to war. He is definitely not coming back. And he says like, I promise when we, when we return from war, we will be married. And, um, yeah, he's just a bit of a tit. Um, he heads off to war. Um, she's like, promise you're right to me. And he's like, he says nothing. And he's like, please promise you're right to me. I promise I'll write to you. Again, he says nothing. And then just kind of runs off to war. Like, I'm having a, I'm having a good old, good old fucking time. I'm, I'm off with the lads. I'm off with the lads. We've got to, we've got to fight some Italians in our, in Algeria. Oh, with the lads. Oh, oh, Albania. Sorry. Um, <laughs> and um, she writes him tons of letters, and we kind of get a voiceover of her reading her hundredth letter. It's kind of very like she's like, I'm, I'm worried you're wounded, or you've been captured, or you're dead i've heard no news of you i don't know i don't know what is going on and she's um you kind of see her looking at a board that's up in the town square to see when people have been pronounced dead and there's no just no news of him um and then we see that the war is heating up and the italians have invaded kefalonia and um they're moving in all their troops and this is when we get to see Captain Corelli and his mandolin. Um he has he has a very weird introduction into this film. Uh 
<laughs> he is uh, walking down the street with all his troops and sees um, Panaya and just kind of says, like, Bambina at the two o'clock. And then kind of gets all the men to just stare at her. Um, which is a terrible first impression. That, 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 that impression definitely needs some work. That is um, the the 1940s equivalent of like just like a wolf whistle or just a whoa I love oh, you looking you looking mighty tasty darling like proper proper geezer um yeah almost like building site blokes ruddy bloody blokes um they march on straight to the mayor's office and the mayor has already got a note prepared for them of what he thinks of them guys coming into town because as far as the people of kefalonia have um thought is that the Italians had beat the italians in albania um there was eight thousand to fourteen hundred no, 8,000 to 14,000 men fight. Uh, the Greeks beat the Italians, but it was because of their alliance with the Germans that the war swung against the Greeks. And um, Captain Corelli is the man they send up to speak to the mayors, uh, like representatives and stuff like that. And the note simply reads, fuck off. A good old classic Greek, fuck off, come on mate, just just fuck off, you bloody Italian bastards coming here, we already beat you, and that is like their thing, like, we, we do not want to take any, we're not surrendering to you Italians, we want to hear from a high ranking general of the uh, German army, and that's who we will, that's who we'll surrender to, because as far as we're concerned, We've beaten you, so this ain't happening. Uh, they get like the kind of highest ranking guy they have of the German army on the island, who just happens to be a captain played by um, David Morrissey, the um, the British actor with a fantastic German accent, one that didn't just ring sore in my ears. Um, Nicholas Cage's Italian accent for me again, a little hammy. The Greek accents. Um, yeah, just kind of rung in my ears and didn't really sit well. But his his German accent is quite understated. Um, he comes and they're like, "We'll surrender to you because even though you're just an uh, you're just a captain, we would surrender to your dog rather than su- uh, su- surrender." Bloody hell! It took me a while to get that word out. Surrender to an Italian. Um, and then. Captain Corelli, you kind of get to see a bit more of his character when one a new recruit is brought into like kind of his command, and you find out he's just there singing with all his guys like, I'll "Just one cornetto, give it to me," and they're all they were having a bloody lovely time, having a shave, having a little sing song. Like he's like, hey, "If you want to join, join us, you you just have to um." You just have to do a bit of singing and a bit of a uh, bit of music. So if you play, you could play the spoons or the helmet. You, you do what you want to, and you find out that he he has never fought in the war. He's just kind of this is his first like assignment. He's just out here kind of having a bit of a um, a jolly on a Greek island, having a lovely time. Um, <laughs> 
and uh, the uh, officer is to be stationed at the doctor's house uh, with uh, the late great John Hurt and Panay, played by uh, Penelope Cruz. Sorry if I haven't stated that beforehand. Um, she is playing Panay. Um, yeah, the doctor has made an arrangement with the uh, quartermaster to say that, like, we we'll have someone stationed here if they can just bring us, like, bring us supplies. Um, for any like doctor needs i have uh to help any of the patients of the island or anything like that or the residents like you guys like i i, I will cooperate but you have to these are my terms basically and who do they have stationed there but bloody captain corelli um and mandras is home he is looking like shit he has walked for what looks like a hundred miles across broken glass shit sand all types of fucking buggery because his feet are a state he looks like he's been eaten alive by a hundred wasps and ants he is looking unkempt the beard is big and it's not sexy he hasn't got a nice like cut in on the cheeks or anything like that or kind of like tidied up around the neck he's looking unruly he's looking pretty gruff um some ladies are into that and obviously that's what you're into that is fine i'm not here to say what is right and what is wrong on a man's appearance but to me christian bell you've looked better mate american psycho sexy man um so he is back looking like shit captain corelli is to stay at the doctor's house and uh, they sit down for a lovely meal the doctor panaya and captain corelli and captain corelli seems like he's having a lovely time um captain corelli is just trying to be nice to people you see him kind of like trying to teach a small greek girl some italian just kind of like having a nice nice little like, swinging around and stuff like that and um Panaya does not look impressed by all of it. She's like, she kind of can't seem to understand how he's having a good time because obviously this is supposed to be a time of um, depression and war, yet he seems to be there for a nice little jolly holiday. Um, Panaya reads all of the letters that she had sent Mandras because he reveals. He can't read, um, and that is why he never wrote her a letter back. He never thought um, at one point to say, Hey, um, fellas, um, I'm receiving these letters. Is there any chance, uh, any of you guys, any of you hundreds of men I'm here fighting a war with, um, could you please just read this letter? It might be important. It might be a letter from the love of my life who I um, plan to marry as soon as I'm home. Please, could you just just help me help me read it, or and then help me write a reply, like let her know that I'm okay and I'm not dead and I'm not a complete fucking asshole who's just gonna neglect her. No, he just leaves it. He just leaves it because you know what, Mandras is a selfish man. Because uh, he's a Mandras, I'm a Mandras, and I fought in war and I no red letter home to my loved one. Um. And he's, like, urging. He's itchy trigger fingers. He's like, I want to get the fuck out of here. I want to get back in the thick of it. I want to fight some Italians. I want to shank some Germans. I want to bloody have it. 
Um, and currently, again, he's out there having a bloody lovely time. Uh, you see him come back pissed up, and then the doctor says to him, Hey, I seen you got that mandolin. I think it's time to give it a bit of a spin, Corelli. Like, show us what you got. And um, he decides to kind of like tap, like he's tapping on the thingy. And they're like, what the fuck are you doing, Captain Corelli? Like, why are you just tapping on your mandolin? We told you to fucking shred, mate. And you are just tapping away on the body. He's like... Yes, but in the um, in the opera, in the in, in in the piece of music I am playing, I do not come in until the forty-fifth bar. So I'm counting myself in. Imagine the orchestra here, and um, the doctor loses his patience. He's like, "Corelli, mate, you're chatting shit. There's no fucking opera here. There's no orchestra. There's none of that going on. It's just you, me, Banea, and your mandolin. I just want you to shred something." Play your part and play it now, you bloody bastard. And then the doctor just, like, goes to bed. He's like, I've had enough of this. Corelli, you're not doing... You're not doing what I want, mate. Like, I'm going to bed. Um, And then and then he shreds it. He absolutely shreds it. And Panaya looks... Uh, she looks she looks impressed. I'll tell you that much for sure. Mandras then plans to leave on his boat. He tells her... Tells Panaya, like... I'm gonna, I'm gonna take my boat. I'm gonna get out of here. I'm gonna like bloody get back into the war. And um, Corelli comes in, and then Mandras confronts him. He's like, uh, "What do you think of my island? What do you think of my the women? What do you think of Panay?" And he's like, uh, oh, "It just gets a bit like you can, you can cut the tension with a knife." Uh, I felt pretty awkward, and I was just fucking watching the damn thing. Let alone how anyone felt, and they were there. Um, and then we just get another scene of the Italians having a bloody lovely time. Uh, they are sunning it at the beach, and then we get um, David Morrissey's character again. Uh, the German officer stops by, and I thought genuinely as soon as I saw him, I was like, "Oh, here comes the like mood killer." Um, and he's like, "Come on, like." He's like, he pulls out a pack of ciggies, and that's it. These Italian blokes are up like nothing. They're like, you Germans, you got the best ciggies. Let's 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 pass them around. Come on, come on, mate. And um, yeah, he's quite like an austere gentleman and quite serious. And um, Corelli's kind of saying to him like, hey, we're 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 here for like fun, basically. We're here for for a good time. Like we're into music, and uh, he like playfully says to him like, hey, like come and sing with us, like. But if you like the music of Wagner, we're shooting you dead. No trial, no nothing. Uh, yeah, and you just get the impression that Captain Corelli very much just doesn't want to be there for the reasons that he is there. He um, he's obviously been drafted into the army, and it wasn't his choice to be there. So um, he's going to make the best of a bad hand that he has been dealt. At least that is the impression. I got from it. Um, Panaya pulls a gun on Captain Corelli when he returns from the beach. She's like, fucking had enough. And uh, he's like, whoa, whoa, whoa. I've never pulled a gun on anyone. Like, I don't know. I don't know, like, what this is all about. And she's like, I don't understand why you're always singing, why you're always happy. 
for you guys like this might be a good time but I know that there's people I grew up with people I love who are out there fighting for their lives and they are dying just so they can keep the people that they love safe and you're here just singing all the time like what do you have to sing about and he just like lists off all these reasons like kind of talk about Italian culture and he's like well men when they work they sing when there's a celebration they sing when a baby is born they sing even when people die we sing and he says like if if I've done anything to offend you I can't do anything but apologize for that I'm I'm so sorry and then um Corelli packs his things and the next morning he's out and the doctor's like whoa 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 like where are you going where are you going like you're the man with our supplies and he's like don't worry i'll bring your supplies it will all be fine and then we cut to a scene of bloody italian singing because what have we not seen enough of so far in this film that's it italian blokes having a nice little sing song and it turns out that this is for a reason the uh, italian troops are putting on just a good old-fashioned like disco like party time a dance for the people of Kefalonia and um, yeah, it's going to be like an intermingling thing like we've got some Germans down, we've got some Italians down, we've got some Greeks down let's just have a kind of intermingling good old fashioned knees up and um, Panaya is definitely playing games with Corelli I think the infatuation has begun to start because like she sees him look over she looks over. They're all they're all just like the like eyes are glancing across. She's like, Oh, is he gonna ask me to dance? No, I'm not gonna I'm not gonna ask him to dance. I'm gonna go I'm gonna go over to that gentleman, that Italian stallion. I'm gonna ask him to dance, make make Corelli jealous. I'll know who we're looking on in admiration that and jealousy that he is not the one I'm dancing with, but this other other schmo this other this other guy who means nothing to me the eyes i am yearning for to be looking upon me are those of captain corelli the sexual tension is palpable again you can you can cut that tension with a knife and a butter knife at that it's just it's just so 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 it's just in the air it's, it's everywhere if you were there you would probably choke on it it was it's that palpable um the next day uh, they find a well a young girl the same young girl that captain corelli was trying to like teach some italian to finds a big old turkish bomb on the beach and the italian troops are like hey this would be fun for the locals if we just fucking blow it up and captain corelli takes the lead on the explosives explosives fucking hell why is that with my words all these terrible accents have somehow seeped into my brain and i've just gone absolutely fucking gaga this evening trying to talk um i could cut it out but i'm just gonna leave it in um just to show you the mania that is happening inside of my brain from watching all of these nicholas cage films um this one yeah has yeah, done me in. <laughs> um, he's yeah, he's he's behind a load of sandbags and stuff like that. He's there with the detonator and blows it up. It's a big old explosion. Uh, probably not worth it though because it kicks back and all the sandbags fall on Corelli and he is just like he's injured. And Panaya runs down to the beach like oh, 
Like, and you see, I was like, oh my, I'm like, fuck, this is it. She's in love with him. She obviously cares that much about him. She's, she wants to know if he's okay. He's taken off on a stretcher. And then it just cuts to the, you don't really, you don't really see if he was injured, like that, that injured or anything. He must have been fine because it then cuts to the next day and the doctor is talking to Corelli in like the town square and tells him uh, a tale of how he met his wife and that when he met his wife, like back in the day, uh, Panaya's mum, that she was married to another man or with another man and he just kind of swooped in. And uh, it felt like this was him kind of, maybe given him advice that it, it would be okay to kind of make the moves upon his daughter. Um, but then he also tells him almost like a cautionary tale because he tells tells him that the island has a lot of history with earthquakes and slaughter, he says. And it almost comes a, a, over as a threat and like things like nature has its way of doing things like it's very secular like if you if you stick around long enough you you will see the damage that this like nature just causes on this place um and then we get the italians having another little sing song one more conneto give it to me Uh, that's not the song they sing they sing a lot of other songs that is not one of them i was very very disappointed i thought that was an Italian standard and a classic. Um, and then Corelli argues like morality over science with the German captain. He says that like the um, whilst they're sitting in the like town square, he says to him like, "You guys, I don't believe with you guys because you believe in like the science that there is a fairer race and that you guys are better than anyone else." He's like. I see if someone is getting attacked regardless of their gender, nationality or anything like that. They are one of my brothers um, and he wants the war to be over. He's like, he just, he doesn't really want to be a part of it. You can see that deep down, good old Captain Corelli, he's a good guy. And then um, he breaks the tension by just getting out his mandolin and he shreds it. He then, at the end of the song, reveals that it is a song. Someone says, oh, what was that song? It was a beautiful. And he's like, oh, it's, um, it's, it's called Panaya. And she's like, oh. Like, she's startled and like runs off. Uh, he, he gives chase. And upon hearing that the song is called uh, Panaya, uh, M- M- Mandras's mum is not a happy lady. She's like... What the fuck is going on here? This girl is supposed to be like my my little my little son, my little my little Mandy. That's that's what I reckon his mum calls him, like since a small child. My little Mandy, that's supposed to be his his boo, his his bae, his 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 sweetheart as soon as he's back from mowing down man's wherever he's doing that in the Greek Isles, they will be wed. Um, so she is not a happy bunny. Uh, the next day, Corelli goes to Panaya and he confesses how he feels for her, that he loves her, and they kiss. And then they make passionate love in the undergrowth of a kind of garden area on the island. And it is very, very sensual. Um, she's kind of like it's intercut between them making love and her kind of walking back into the village um, 
and her dad kind of knows knows the score as soon as she gets home because she he's like, oh, when you next see Corelli again, let him know I've got his mandolin because he left it in the town square last night after the whole hoo ha that the song is for you and he rightfully chased after you. Um, and the dad kind of again he is there just giving people like lesson bombs left right and center he kind of talks poetically about love and being in love and talks about how like love is not just lust and thinking about that person and he gets a bit creepy he's like it's not it's not them it's not laying awake at night wanting their lips on every part of your body probably a bit too graphic detail for a father to go into with his daughter he says that love though is the things that are left after that after the passion after the um lust what is left over that is true love and it's like is that how you feel with Corelli and she says yes that is how I feel I am deeply in love with him I want all of that and he says well if that is how you feel you must be respectful to Mandras and his mum and go about it and just pray that there's liberation for the island then anything will be possible uh, Panayir goes to Mandras's mother and it looks like she is about to like kind of confess and tell her that maybe it's not going to work out and lurking out of the shadows back from being a bad man is Mandras. He's there and he says, I want to talk to Corelli, the Italian man. We have a talk about uh, about, about something. You, you, you arrange meeting, yes? And um, then news comes in and the Italians are ecstatic because Mussolini has fallen. He is given up. The Italians are going home. That is them done. And very swiftly after that, the German soldiers want an amnesty of all the Italian weapons. They want them, they're like, you're surrendering, but we're going to stick about. Before you go, you've got to give us all your weapons. The Italians are very hesitant about this, because obviously, they're like, well, they're still our weapons. Like, we'll take them back to Italy, surely, just in case we ever need them again, because... Because, yeah, there could be another war or another skirmish or something like um And um, Mandras meets with Corelli and says, I want, I, w- I want the weapons. Obviously, you guys are going, but we're going to be left here with the bigger of the two evils in the Germans. And we need something to defend ourselves because this is not going to be good. And they tell Corelli and his men that there is news of other people who have surrendered and that the Germans on their route home just sent them to prison camps and the Italians did not actually get home. So it gives them more incentive to help the Greeks out. And obviously the compassion inside of them hopefully will let them do that. The next day the Italians are just driving down in like a convoy and are stopped by some German troops who are like, give up your guns now, even though the amnesty um, is operating until midday the following day. And things get hairy pretty quickly because upon like uh, Corelli trying to speak to one of the like main gentlemen, he says like, like kind of motions and then like a fucking shit ton of guys just pop out uh, behind the rocks and stuff like that and are pointing their guns at them and then they're like that that's it 
we're handing up our guns. So they all start just handing up their guns, and then it gets to, like, one of the guys says, I'll give you my gun once I'm finished, like, smoking, and things fucking go cuckoo bananas, and, like, four guys get shot, and Corelli's not happy. He's having a go at um, David Morrissey's character. Is it David? Yeah. David Morrissey's character saying, like, what the fuck is going on, Gunter? Like, this is not on. I'm not happy. And then it cuts straight to a scene of, like, him with, like, all the bigwigs, all the generals and stuff like that. Like, I'm not fucking happy about this. This is bullshit. Like, there should be reparations for this. The people should be punished. Like, what am I going to tell the families of these four dead men? It's not fucking on. And then that is it. That is the final nail in the coffin. The Italians are ready to help their Greek brethren out to take these German motherfuckers down. Uh, Panaya begs Corelli, like when she sees him, that he will come back to her. And I thought, that's it. That Corelli's done for. He is going to die. Definitely. When when a film makes so much of a big point to be like, please come back to me, please come back to me. But I've already been wrong once in this film. I thought fucking Mandras had been dead ages ago, and he's still alive and kicking and speaking in a terrible Greek accent. So Corelli and all that just go about their business, getting their guns together, loading them up, giving them to the Greeks. They're all getting in position for sunrise tomorrow. Shit is going down. And then... It does. It pops the fuck off. They fight by land, by sea, by air, by wherever. This is kicking off in the town square. Panaia is like, fuck this. I am going to find Corelli. She's running through the town. And by the time she gets to the town square where he is, an explosion has gone off and it is just empty and there are German troops walking through the town square and she knows... Oh, fuck. I'm too late. He's either dead or gone. And he has been captured by the German troops and is driven out to a remote location. Him and a load of other gentlemen. And it's the moment they get out of the van, they're all like, like, kind of rounded up. And you think, like, oh, they're going to get a big old telling off or something like that. And then, boom, shutters come down and fucking just mowed down. And a guy who had said to Panaya, don't worry, I will protect Corelli. Dives in front of him, holds him, and just takes the impact of the bullets as much as he can, the brunt of it, and they fall down to the ground. And is in this moment, like, this was a moment, I was like, fucking, this is pretty tense. This is like, I admit, like, overall, I didn't really enjoy this film, but this moment, I was like, fuck, shit is, shit has hit the fan. It is really fucking hit the fan um and then we see that the german captain um gunter comes over and sees that one of the guys is still alive shoots him in the face and then comes over to corelli and corelli looks at him and says shoot me kill me now and he just can't muster up the strength to do it even though up until this point he's been pretty much a bit of a prick about the whole thing um 
And then later that evening, at the dead of night, Mandras manages to find Corelli and finds that he is alive and brings him to the doctor. Panaya begs her father, she's like, I know you're not a surgeon, but please can we do everything within our power to nurse him back to health, get these bullets out of him and get him well. And that is exactly what they do. They nurse him better, but as soon as he is like, no sooner than he is better, Mandras is like, yo, Corelli, we got to get you off this island because the Germans are still here and shit is still going down. I've got you this boat. You'll be in Italy and home by tomorrow. Panaya comes down and like says her farewells to Corelli and he is off on his way. For her, that may be the last time she ever sees him again. They have their emotional farewells and they part ways. And then Panaya has some other business to attend to, and that is of talking to Mandras. She asks him, why did you save Corelli? Obviously, he was the other man in my life. And he says he was heartbroken by one of her letters, and he wanted her to love him again. And he thought that by saving Corelli, that might ignite the passion that she once had and the love for him, and things could just be fine and dandy again. Um... Yeah, he said that he actually did, when he was away, get one of the guys to read the letters to him and then saw that her tone just at some point changed. That like She said, I love you, I miss you and stuff like that. And then she's like, I just don't know what I feel anymore. Probably because you never fucking wrote back, Mandrath. That's probably what the problem is, you bellend. Um, but she apologises and then we just see mandras walk off into the distance and then we see that seven years have passed and it is 1947 and panayir receives a package from italy and it's a sweet ass 12 inch vinyl oh someone's hooking her up i've uh it's uh it's a record that was by captain corelli and the song that is on it is the song he had written for her i've checked that on discogs and it's actually going for um 1500 pounds um it's about two thousand dollars um yes big big money so if you can get your hands on a copy of that uh captain corelli 12 inch white label it's a banger guys you can like next time you're at a rave request that one and the party will go off it will go live or up in a place um and again, he is just shredding. She seems annoyed though, maybe even sad at obviously the prospect that he may still be alive and he is the one who had sent that. And then we see that the father writes him a letter. Obviously, it's all done via like voiceover, and he say, kind of says to him like, "I'm like she's sad that she's." she's holding back tears that she just won't cry maybe you're sad as well like maybe you think about what your life could have been like if you were together and then like midway through him reading out this letter shit pops off and there is just an earthquake that just fucking shakes throughout the whole fucking island and everyone's going ape shit and it just goes crazy and the house that panaya and her father lived in is turned to rubble and obviously the record would have been destroyed as well maybe the only last memory she kind of has 
of Captain Corelli and his sweet ass mandolin. Um, and then we have that weird ceremony again. The kind of like people laying down on the floor and the effigy being carried over them. And this time nobody is miraculously healed. Um, and there's a kind of call back to the beginning where someone was healed and the guy's like claims that it's all to do with people, um, them trying to shove religion and keep people like maybe just the ruse, the whole thing's a load of bullshit. I'm with that man. <laughs> and um there's some sweet ass like traditional Greek dancing, a little tea towel involved, little little sidestep and little kicks and stuff like that. It's real whew. yeah, Google, uh YouTube, some traditional Greek dancing. They got it all. Or just watch this scene in um Captain Corelli's Mandolin because some sweet ass Greek dancing. Um Panayir searches for the girl, the same girl that Corelli had uh, tried to teach Italian earlier on in the film. Obviously, she is now older. She goes looking for her, and who does she find but Captain Corelli? He is alive. He is well. He's a bit graying on the sides, but he is there. And he says to her, I tried to live without you. I tried to fool myself that I could live without you. And they embrace and they hug. And then we see the father as a nice tie-in to the beginning of the film because the gentleman who had the pee in his ear had asked for it to be put back in because his wife nags him, asks him to do things all the time. And he gives him advice on how to treat a woman and that maybe before she asks him to go get the wood, he should have already done it. And maybe when she's cold, he puts a blanket on her shoulders and maybe every time he's out in the field, he brings her back a flower. And then the camera just pans out as the people walk away. And the credits roll. And that is a wrap for Captain Corelli's Mandolin. And there's no shredding throughout the credits, which I was really disappointed about. I just wanted some sweet-ass mandolin shredding. So, you kind of know my thoughts about the film. As I said, like, the accents... Not 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 that great. That kind of really took me out of it. Um the story again, I can definitely see how this has been adapted from a book because I feel like the book would have went more in depth into their relationship and probably would have spanned over a bit more time and just been able to like ruminate with the story and gone in more with how how their relationship developed and like the intricacies of the different relationships of characters and stuff like that, like the complications of the stuff with Mandras, just in this film it all felt a bit rushed and it didn't, the film kind of always felt like it was setting up for stuff, never really felt like it kind of got into the groove of what it wanted to do, which is the real disappointment. It was a lovely setting, as said, like, usually, usually, Cage hasn't been disappointing me lately, but this one was a disappointment. Um, Penelope Cruz, I love her. She was sweet in this, like her character was lovely. John Hurt was actually really good. I enjoyed John Hurt in this. Um, again, like the actors were all charming. It's just the story really let it down. This adaptation was not good. Um, so that is what I thought of this. 
now to go over to the big bad world wide web and see what those people on Rotten Tomatoes, IMDb and Metacritic or whatever free scores we can find on Google have to say about this film. And the free scores we have are IMDb, Rotten Tomatoes and Metacritic and they go as follows. IMDb is a 5.9 out of 10. Rotten Tomatoes, 29% and a 36 meta. I think they feel the same as me. I don't think the majority of people like this film. Maybe I am a sheep or maybe I am right and I feel validated by stuff I read on the internet like many other people. <laughs> um, so yeah, that is it for Captain Corelli's mandolin and next week I will be talking about wind talkers I'm very much looking forward to that one we see Nicolas Cage by the looks of it getting rough and tumble in an army film something to this point we haven't really seen obviously the army stuff he's been involved in thus far has kind of been um period pieces to like world war Two and stuff like that and seem to be more leaning towards the drama aspects like either they'd be romantic um with this or with time to kill just kind of i don't know i don't get yeah, romance or whatever the fuck was going on with that film it's uh, a while ago now i watched that but yeah it has got a lasting impression on me that was pretty fucking crazy um so as always, like uh, this podcast was brought to you by a terrible amount of lack of sleep, tons of cigarettes, and just an absolute need to just make myself suffer. <laughs> and I just want to give a quick shout out to a podcast, a lovely podcast called Tonight with Bob and Joe. Um, check those guys out there another fellow brighton podcast they're really good they have conversations with weird and interesting people they review beers and they're just all around fun guys so yeah if you have a chance and you're stuck for what to listen to check those guys out they've got about five episodes out at the moment uh they released an episode last night so yeah that'll be fun check those guys out and as always i've been petros pat syllabus i've been caged in you've been rad Bye. This podcast is presented by the Breadcrumbs Collective, home of the Pod Charles Cinecast, Caged In Copa Connections, A Drip Town Limery, Maine, Franchised, and many more to come. Our shows are all presented ad free and made possible by listeners like you. Please support our shows by subscribing, leaving ratings and reviews, and becoming patrons at patreon.com. If you'd like to learn more about Breadcrumbs, head over to breadcrumbscollective.com. Breadcrumbs. It's more than a podcast network. It's family.